When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> Maybe on Walker. Pew. Pew! That'll do it! That will do it! Pew for Bournemouth! The roof of the Gold Sands is raised! Everyone here knows what that could mean to this football club. Good morning, happy Friday, welcome. This is episode 85 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Hope you're doing well today. My name's Sam Davis and unless you've been living under a rock the last 24 hours, you will know that the Premier League have provisionally announced a date for the resumption of top flight football in England and that is June the 17th. So there'll be two games to complete the previous match week. Of course, Aston Villa and Manchester City were involved in the Carabao Cup final, so they'll be in action. And then the next match week starts on the Friday, and there'll be 10 staggered games. So one on the Friday, one on the Monday, and then four on the Saturday and Sunday. And they'll be shared amongst the different rights holders. So Sky have got the majority, 25 of which they're going to be screening for free. BT have got a load, the BBC have even got four live matches and also Amazon Prime Video have got four as well. So you'll be able to catch loads of live football. Is it healthy for us? Are we all just going to be sat festering on our sofas? If the lockdown didn't make or break relationships, well, maybe this televisual delight will. Who knows? But either way, Premier League football is returning and, well, it may not be fair... The integrity may not be there, but it could be the morale-boosting thing that we all need. So, with Project Restart on the cards, I caught up with Jeff Hayward yesterday for a brief chat to, to see what he had to say about the potential resumption of AFC Bournemouth's footballing season. 
I mean, look, let's be let's be clear about it. It's it's going to be football, and we're all delighted to have football back. But it's mm. not going to be football as we know it or knew it for much of this season. So, the things that are, are key for us yeah. are um, that I think we play our home games at our home ground, even if there are no fans there. I think that that home advantage is still going to be important. You know, we know we've got a small, compact pitch. We know other teams find that unsettling. And it's something we're familiar with. So we need that advantage. Um, yeah. Second thing that's in our favour is that we'll have a fit side. Third thing is we've got a fantastic coach who should be able to get the players trained and motivated, even in the limited circumstances that we've got to go. Mm. Um, and fourth thing I think is going to be tough for a lot of sides who haven't got anything to play for to get up for games. So, mm. you know, fingers crossed when we play Palace first up, you know, yeah. what have they got left to play for? And maybe we'll be in a better shape than some of the sides that we've got to come up against. Yeah. And I do hope that uh, home game thing will happen. Now I was just looking at some newspaper articles and there's still a lot of conjecture at the moment. And uh, the police have apparently told the Premier League that they can host games at club home uh, stadiums when games resume, but they want key high profile fixtures moved to neutral venues over fears of fans gathering outside. So um, there's still a lot that's uh, to be decided. But, you know, in my opinion, it's very good to have the football back. It was never going to be a level playing field, but having it how it is, and if it is played at our home ground, we've we've got a chance, haven't we? We've got a chance. Conjecture of uh, where the season is going to end was always you know, upsetting, you know, just because we're in the, the bottom three places doesn't mean we're going to end up there and I think you and I both know that the last few matches before the lockdown came in we were playing better our performances were getting results unlucky not to get more results than we'd had to be fair so actually it felt that we turned the corner and going into those last nine games you know I felt I felt surprisingly confident considering the season we'd had that we'd get out of it so let's let's put everything to bed and prove it that actually we deserve to be in the Premier League. And, if, and you know what? If we don't and we go down, well, you know, we we tried and it yeah. didn't work out for us. So I honestly, I'd, I'd much prefer to finish the season than to have it sort of judged on, on a, a sort of farcical kind yeah. of, you know, weighted points, the system yeah. thing that I, I don't think it was ever, ever going to be fair. No, that's right. Well, Premier League Chief Executive Richard Masters has said uh, that the dates cannot be confirmed until they've met all the safety requirements needed as the health and welfare of all participants and supporters is their priority. Um, and he goes on to say, yeah, sadly, matches will have to take place without fans. But there is a positive solution in that all of the matches will be televised. So there's going to be um, uh, some very different kickoff times. Friday, eight o'clock. We're used to that in a Monday night football. We're used to um, on a Saturday, those staggered games kind Kind of like in a World Cup on that um, first round of group games, you get four in a day. So I'll have a half past 12, three o'clock, oh, half past five, eight o'clock. Um, yeah, mm. those with partners um, yes. <laughs> might might be getting a lot of flack for uh, taking yes. up safer space, I think. Um, there could be a fair amount of negotiation going on on what to watch on TV. <laughs> yes, I think so. And then on the Sunday, 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock, half past 4 and 7 o'clock, so a Sunday evening football. But yeah, um, good for the morale of the country, maybe not good for relationships up and down the country either, Jeff. 
well maybe not and and, and um we also need to be mindful that uh, one of our players was diagnosed the other day Aaron Ramsdale so what sort of um training will he be able to do before June 17th what shape will he be in um and hopefully there won't be any more players from the squad that will get uh, tested and diagnosed because honestly I think we need to be at full strength to yeah. to have a chance I do feel pretty confident that we will be all right but uh, the first game is going to be massive that crystal palace game if we win that i think you know we're we're putting ourselves in a really decent position so it's going to be tough because it's going to be a completely different experience for everybody so yeah who knows this is mark Pugh, the foodie footballer and you're listening to back of the net now on this podcast episode, we're going to get a few opinions from some of our interviews of what some of our famous faces have said about the resumption of Premier League football. Plus, you're going to hear mini interviews. We're, we're like a little home-based tester pot, so you can go in, try it out. And if you like the interview, you can watch the full thing on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. So... Who have we got on today's episode? We've got John Williams and Paul Morrell. Now, if you saw the YouTube video of this, well, you would have been in for a delight because Willow was naked. Yeah, um, you'll have to watch the video to see that. A bit weird. Also, wing wizard for cherries, championship hero, and what a goal that was against Sunderland in the Premier League. Matt Ritchie, he joined us too, so you can hear a bit of that interview as well. Plus, two players who featured in the promotion in the early 80s for AC Bournemouth were Keith Williams and Tony Funnell. And they joined us too for a trip down memory lane and told us some great stories. And another person who, let's face it, he's not short of stories, is a certain Harry Redknapp. He was on our show and it was classic. He was with us for two hours and we actually did a highlights video on YouTube and we condensed his funny stories into 20 minutes. So we're going to hear a bit of that too. And remember, yeah, if you want to watch any of those interviews in full again, just go to our YouTube channel and any of the live shows that we've also done are on Facebook. Just search Back of the Net Facebook. Now, we've been fortunate enough to have sponsors during our shows, which include Living Home Tech and also in the last episode that we did on YouTube, Friends of Pokestown. And what that's enabled us to do is also we're putting the full audio completely unabridged of every single interview and we're going to do that from the start of June so there'll be a daily pod dropping in your favourite podcast app. So then what of the restart? We asked a few people now obviously these views were recorded at different times where we didn't really know what was going on but these were the, the opinions of John Williams but first Paul Morell. Yeah, absolutely yeah yeah it's absolutely uh... I'm now getting uh, pretty cheesed off of it now, so but it's what it is, and we just got to buy by what's going on. But yeah, ten years at the football club, fantastic, and uh, some fond memories there. And uh, Willow, tough times for you because you've lost your shirt. I see today. Um, how's, it been for, <laughs> how's it been for you? Well, we've got to this position now, and it just feels like getting ready for pre-season. I'm not sure they're going to play again, if I'm yeah. honest. That, yeah. That's only yeah. a guess. I don't know what the government are going to do. 
But I don't think at this present time, people's health is more important than football. Yeah, you know, we have to go along with that. And if you finish the season at the moment, and I know there's big arguments against this, leave things as they are. Everybody goes to nil and we start again when everybody can go back to work. Just at this present time, uh, you know, there's far more important things than football. Yeah, so interesting to hear what they thought about Project Restart and, you know, both singing from the same hymn sheet in terms of saying that, you know, football is not as important as life and death. Completely the opposite to what Bill Shankly said. But what were the opinions of Keith Williams and Tony Funnell? Here's what they had to say. Oh, so difficult. I I just think that it's going to end up where the games will be played neutral grounds uh, and if that's the case I don't think you can relegate any teams the teams from the championship can get promoted and then the following season and maybe the season after that the next two seasons more teams will go down than normal but I don't think it's fair to relegate anyone especially you know, if, you, if you end up with you've got three or four good chance home games to finish off the league and now you're not going to get them you've got to play neutral grounds I don't think it'd be fair for the bottom clubs What do you think Keith? Something's got to be done and I'm with Tony uh, no relegation but promotion from other sides and then more more teams go down I think that's that would be the best uh, scenario for everybody I think Seems sensible to me, what do you think Neil? Uh, well, I think, unfortunately, the league have said that they have to honour um, the agreement to have relegation, haven't they? So I think they've come out and said that in the last two days. Uh, I think if the season can be finished, then there should be relegation. Um, I think it is going to be unfair whoever goes down. But I think we're living in a society and a life at the moment where things are unfair for an awful lot of people. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens, but I think there will be relegation, but if we get the games back on, I think we've got enough to stay up. Cherries fan Neil Dawson at the end there with his opinions. He's been on many a podcast. Uh, Finally, what were the thoughts of former Cherries chairman, Trevor Watkins then? Here's what he had to say. I think as a lawyer, it would be hugely challenging for the Premier League to decide to finish the league now. Um, or come up with some system that'd be held to pay one way or the other. There's too much at stake, um, too much money at stake. And uh, much as Leeds fans and West Brom fans may well hate me for saying so, I think the league should should cancel this season and move on to the next. Well, there'll be legal consequences should should they play even behind closed doors and then one of the players on the pitch contracts it, etc., or something happens, then... It just seems to be nonsensical to me. Um, but, you know, who knows how it's going to play out? Well, it's, it's one of the areas where I would definitely be offering free legal advice. Um, <laughs> because all these years on, we've actually, you know, I've got a team of lawyers who work on these particular issues. Um, and we've, we've run arguments on these particular situations before. And I think that the, the worst thing the Premier League could do would be to end the season and now and say the standings are as they are so yeah lots of different viewpoints there and well we're at where we're at now and 
we'll see what happens. We'll try to keep you in touch on the podcast. And also do remember to follow us on social media where we'll be giving our opinion on everything that's going on. So then let's have our taster pots. Um, John Williams, he initially was sat in the garden Hence, his top was off. He's having a nice day of sunbathing, but then the Wi-Fi was appalling, so he had to come inside. But Willow, a naked Willow, was joined by Paul Morell. And boy, did they have some stories. Yeah, he's obviously a local boy, signed for his local club. Um, very proud moment, I've got to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I mean, there was players coming and going. Even when I first signed, it changed so much from that first season. So when he, I mean, obviously, Chrissy Sully went, I think Phil Brignall went, um, Milton Graham. It was a massive change around, and, and the change from 83 to up to the 86, 87 season was massive. But, you know, players were coming and going. Um, obviously, I, I broke into the side. I was actually playing left midfield, I think, when I first broke into the side. Um, and then, obviously, when Chrissy Sully left, um, I was reverted back to left back and the rest is history, really. So, yeah, the players were coming and going. And, you know, it is, it, 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 it's, it's quite weird because you turn up pre-season not knowing who Harry signed or you're meeting new players all the time. But, it, yeah, it, 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 it was interesting, I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> what was he like? What was he like when he got angry? Did he ever, did he ever used to... Harry, he got angry. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I've had a few... Um, of his tantrums, if you want to call it that. Um, and one, this one was it Swindon away. And uh, we were, I think we were 2-0 two, two down, I think. And uh, I got booked. I think I whacked uh, Dave Bamba, who was playing on the wing for Swindon. And I got booked and we got back 2-1, two, 2-all. Um, and uh, then Tommy Effman got sent off for whacking Bobby Barnes. Um, and then... As we got back to two all, um, Dave Bamber, the ball was put over the top of me, of course. Dave Bamber was through on goal, so I've taken him down, I've sived him down, knowing I was going to be sent off. <laughs> so anyway, I'm I'm yeah, red car comes off, I'm sort of leaving the pitch running, and I see Harry running along the pitch, and I think, oh God, he's gonna have a right go at me. So I've run down the tunnel, run in the changing room. Tommy Edmund's just come out the shower, drying himself. I said, the game finished, Mozzie. And I said, no, I've been sent off. You're all fucking hell. I'm getting out of here. Fuck Harry comes in. <laughs> and I, I honestly, I went in that shower as quick as I could to get out of the changing room. Too late. Harry come in. The teapot come over. Um, he, he said I cost him the game. I think he got beat four two in the end. Um, so um, yeah, Harry used to lose it on occasions, but you know, you know if you you've done wrong with Harry, and he sort of yeah lay into us a little bit, but. You know, we can all take it. We're all, you know, men in those days. And, uh, you know, if we deserved a bit of a, a bollocking, we, we we took it. And we just said, right, next game, I'm going to show you H. That, you know, that was just a one-off type thing. And, uh, yeah. But, you know, we never never really let H down. We always gave him 100%. And Willow was just, you know, just like that. I mean, the, the whole the whole squad gave Harry 100%. You know, that that's the thing Harry got out of his players. Yeah. The, you know the determination and the character, um, and you could be. I'm not not just saying this disrespectfully. You could have some ordinary players there, but Harry would get the best out of them, the, the, and he would do it in a, his way. He knew the players he could bollock, and he knew the players he had to sort of mollycoddle a little bit. So that that's just, you know Harry's unique style. Hmm. 
And tell us about a bit more about Middlesbrough because they were the closest rivals. And I think first half of the season, I remember they they tonked us four 0 up at their place. But uh, we had quite a, a, a big game against them in the second half of that season, a midweek night, wasn't it, at, uh, at Dean Court, which uh, which was a bit of a a turning point into who was going to win the champion the championship that year. I'll tell you what. They were staying in. Do you remember the mole house? It's called something else now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Ramble. Yeah, yeah. 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 At Carrington Hotel. Carrington, yeah. Me and Cookie were in there, and we, about one o'clock, we went for a walk down Boscombe Gardens, and all the lads, Middlesbrough, were all there walking through, and they give us some plenty of stick, I'll tell you. Geordie lads, you know, Tony Mowbray and oh, who else? Gary, Gary Pallister. Pallister. Bernie Slavin. So, of course, we had to suffer it. It was just me and Cookie. He wasn't going to help me out. So, um, <laughs> we, we, we've gone back to the hotel and I, st- I said to Cookie, if we win this one a day, we could have done it. It was going to be a big step. And getting to the ground that night was unbelievable. You, there were so many people. Mm. They say 13,000 to get there, get in, get in the change rooms. Anyway, we get a corner as the game starts, and the, the Mid- Middlesbrough fans were all in that bottom right-hand corner. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, in yeah. The stand? Yeah. And they shout to him, if, if you put a good ball in here, mate, we're going to stab you. <laughs> not very not a very nice thing to take a corner to is it no. anyway cookie being cookie put the ball in and but i i think uh oh I, I, there's a flick on here mark newson scored Sh- o'driscoll scored he did Bob Lerton, yeah. what, did trevor score or penalty no there was a penalty uh, i think not sure, but anyway, but anyway, we won the game, and that was such a big. Um, well, you just think about it; it, it, it changed things. Ah, <laughs> oh, some classic moments there from Willow and Mozzie. Um, great guys, and I just love the way they tell stories. Um, another person that really surprised me with how open he was at telling his stories and just being really honest was Matt Ritchie. He joined us for, it was about a 90-minute show, and he's one of those players that's never really spoken much in interviews, but we was really surprised when he agreed to it, and... Some of the things that he was coming out with are absolutely brilliant. So here's a bit from the Matt Ritchie interview. Uh, Matt, what percentage do you think Eddie Howe and Jason Tindall are uh, integral to the club's success? I mean, if we didn't have them, what do you think would happen? Oh, 100%. Like, this this guy, Jason included, everyone really, but the gaffer was, I don't know, like, you, you, you've seen him, you've seen him speak, you've seen him work. Like he is what he is. He, he, there's no, there's no secrets about him. Absolute pure dedication, hard work, research, all the analysis he has to do, and the the biggest quality that he's got is he knows how to he knows how to break it down into small pieces and feed it to the players and get a clear clear message. 
of how he wants to play, the system, the patterns. And I mean, that. even the first season in the Championship, I, I, I spoke uh, to Luke Rooney, as you said the other day, and I said that first season in the Championship, I remember, I remember playing, we actually got beat a few times, I think three or four nil. And I remember playing in games thinking, how have we lost that game 3-1 or 4-1 or 4-0 or whatever? And because we blew teams away with the ball, but we were a little bit vulnerable when we didn't have it because um, maybe we were open because we were playing such expansive football. And that, that trying to adapt from League One where you may get away with that to the Championship was a challenge that we had to overcome. But again, that was down to Eddie, Eddie and Jason, the staff, everyone involved, um, read, uh, looked at it, uh, uh, analysed it, seen, seen the areas where we had to improve and, and raise the bar. And the big thing I always say now, we need to raise the bar and, and continue to get better and grow. And that came from Eddie, really. Eddie always used to say, continue to do what you do. Don't ever go away from your principles. Mm. Continue to do what you do, but just get better at it. And... Bournemouth, the, for me, is the best story in football for many, many years. And I'm proud, so proud to be a part of it. And um, I've taken so much from Bournemouth and from Eddie, from Jace, the players as well, on for, for the rest of my career at Newcastle. What a guy, what a left foot, what a player. And if you want to see the whole thing, go to youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. It's also on Facebook as well. But if you just want to do the audio thing, don't worry. In June, we're going to be playing out each and every interview completely unabridged. So just wait and it will drop in your podcast app in no times. So... Keith Williams and Tony Funnell, they were involved in Cherry's promotion in the early 80s. And that, again, was a great trip down memory lane. And Charlie George, as I remember, Tony, that um, he only played a couple of games, but I'm pretty certain he, he assisted one of your goals in, in one of the two games that he played. Am I, am I remembering things badly there? Sounds good. If I scored a goal, yeah, I'm happy with that. <laughs> Charlie was brilliant. He had so much skill. Great passer of a ball. He was only with us for two games, wasn't he, though? Didn't he? Why was that such a short spell? I don't know. I haven't got a clue. No, I don't know about that. There were a few that came in for bits and bobs because Eddie Kelly did for a little while and Ivan Golak. It was like we were we were a retirement home for a few for a few years, weren't we? A few people coming in for. <laughs> A little soiree. Well, Eddie might have come for a little soiree, but he could play as well. He could, yeah. He was another really nice lad. Done a lot in the game, but he wasn't flash or anything. Everyone we got, Ivan Golak is, was a great lad. I knew him at Southampton. Uh, Charlie George, great lad. George Best, Eddie Kelly. You know, Dave and Harry did get the right players to come along, even though they've only played little bit parts. And it also extended that celebrity vibe to the directors because that was the year when you were playing that we had Jim Davidson as uh, as a director of the club. How on earth did Jim Davidson get involved? I got no idea. <laughs> I don't know whether Tony has any idea, but I got no idea. It, it was, it, I, think, uh, it, it... <laughs> I think he was obviously friends with Dave Webb. I'm sure of that. Yeah. And, and but he was he was a great guy to all the the players. Everyone loved him. There is a fantastic bit of footage on YouTube of uh, of uh, uh, sport on uh, Southern at the time. Maybe it's Meridian. I can't remember. But anyway, uh, 
and they film the Hereford game, the last game of the season, as an interview, Fred Dynage talking to Jim Davidson for match analysis, and it's hilarious. To get that equaliser. Yeah, super. I feel very sorry for Ian Lee. That's such a great season. His first time on television, he makes the only mistake I've seen him made. I swear that, I swear as true as I'm sitting on this bicycle. <laughs> uh, I've seen that, yeah. I have seen that, yeah. Dragging it back to football for a bit, the the top teams in those uh, in that division at the time, Sheffield United, Bradford City, there were some great games, weren't there, against the those two big teams? What do you remember about them? Start with Keith. Yeah, the Sheffield United games, a couple of great games. I think we drew nil nil at home in the first game when they come to our place. Hard to be tough, um, but we always did well. We always did well against the top teams. Um, away from home, the second leg, I don't think I played. I think I was suspended. And I think Brian O'Donnell played on that day. So, uh, but Sheffield United and Bradford, a uh, couple of my, I think Bobby Campbell played for Bradford at the time as well, who was with me at Aston Villa as an apprentice. Uh, he was a handful as well. What are your yeah, memories, uh, Tony? Well, Keith saying he was uh, suspended. Why he was suspended, I'd never know. The lad never made a tackle. I mean, I was so, as a player, I was aggressive. I used to dive in the tackles here, there and everywhere. Keith, a little bit. No, he didn't fancy this. He didn't fancy that. Oh. No, I remember the um, the Bradford game, to be honest, because we, we drew up there. It was a big game. It was on telly. I'm sure it was on telly. And uh, I remember getting the ball played just outside the box and I could have part. Actually, I could have passed it to Andy Crawford. I must have thought, well, how many times have you never passed to me? So I'm going to give you the ball this time. <laughs> so I made myself an angle, got a shot in, and the keeper saved it easy. It was a poor shot by me. They went up the other end and scored a goal. And I think they made it two. It possibly made it two-two. We would have won the game. And where he was livid. We had, we had <laughs> 10 players behind me, but it was my fault because I shot. Uh, yeah, he didn't speak to me on the coach afterwards. He was a nightmare. And I, I remember going up to him as we walked off the coach and said, Dave, I know that went wrong, but think of all the goals I did score for you this season. <laughs> and he did smile. He gave me a chuckle then. <laughs> Tony Funnel, of course, is involved in the Funnel forecast on our YouTube channel. And... We started it a week before all this was going on because we did something called the 100 Funnel Fixtures. And what we did, right, we put 20 quid. I put 20 pounds out of my account into a a Skybet account. Not that we condone betting or any of that malarkey, but we thought we'd do little small bets um, where if if it comes up with a profit, you know, we'll give the money to charity. If it doesn't, we'll pop 20 quid to charity anyway. So everyone's a winner. And... In his first week, he was like up 79p. Um, and then we were going to bet using that money on the next fixtures. But those fixtures didn't happen. So I've still got that money sat in my account. Um, whether we'll be resuming it, I don't I don't know. We'll, we'll have to think at the time. But yeah, um, really nice bloke. And also Keith Williams. It was fantastic to hear from him as well. Some great stories. Now, one person who's not short of a story is... You guessed it, Harry Redknapp. If you get the chance, watch the video because it's two hours long. At the start, I said, we'll only have you for an hour. 
Halfway through, he goes and eats his dinner. The dogs lick each other's testicles. It's all going on. And some classic stories too, which we managed to somehow condense down into 20 minutes. So here's some of that. They asked me to take the team. My first game that I took over was Lincoln away. And uh, Lincoln, I think, were top of the league. We were struggling. John Kirk was with me. You know, John was a legend at Bournemouth. Great man, kit man, trainer, been everything. And me and John slap up to Lincoln for the game. Every game in the country was being called off that day. Every pitch was frozen solid. It was absolutely bitter, minus five, six, seven degrees everywhere. And Lincoln was absolutely bitterly cold. And the pitch was like concrete, like a skating rink. And anyway, the, it was the only game, well, one of the only games that was on that survived the weather that day. It should never have been played. It was an incredible pitch. And we only had long nylon studs. We were struggling. The club was really poor. And they come running out in them little pimpled boots. And I'm watching my players come out. I've only took over on the Friday. Dave had a fallout with the chairman on Friday. And they, my players were coming out, slipping as they were running onto the pitch. And the Lincoln players were like ballet dancers, just gliding over the pitch. Well, we were nine nil down with half hour to go. And I'm thinking this could be 15, 16, 17. This could be a world record. And we got a corner. I don't know how we managed to get a corner. And John, Captain Kirk, as he was captain's going to our centre half, get up, get up. I'm going, get back, get back. I said, we're not going to win. We're not going to win 10 9. You know what I mean? So we hung on in the last half hour to not concede any more goals somehow. Harry, with the, with the, um, at the end of that season, you had a right clear out of that squad, I remember. And you brought in eight or nine players, a lot of whom we'd never heard of, but that then went on to win the league. Were they all players you had in mind? Had you designed that squad in your head? Um, well, you know, you, it was, there was last minute, you know, we played pre-season. We never won a game. Cole Richards came from Enfield who I went to watch on Bank Holiday Monday playing for the England non-league team against Wales. It was a beautiful sunny day and so I'm going, I'm going to Nanny and Barra today to watch England. She said, what you, Harry, what you've got to go football on a Monday for? You know, I said, I'm going to watch this game. So, you know, anyway, I slap all the way there. I watched the game. Cole Richards plays. Stuart Morgan recommended him to me. He was my chief scout. Stuart was brilliant. New to non-league inside out. He'd managed Weymouth when they had great teams. Graham Roberts, Tony Agarna, uh, Andy Townsend, all them players. He bought all them. And anyway, he said to me, Harry, he's a good player. And I went down and I loved him. Big number, big front man, six foot three, powerful, looked like Cole Lewis, the sprinter. Anyway, after the game, I'm waiting by. They used to come in and have a... Um, a, a, a drink and a, some sandwiches and a cup of, you know, a cup of tea and a bit of cake or whatever. And they'd have little presentations. England played Wales. Anyway, I'm hiding behind this old wooden shed at Nuneaton Borough, waiting for Cole Richards. I'm going to tap him up, you know, tell him he should come to Bournemouth. And I'm waiting there. And, he, and then the players are coming in. I'm stood high. It was like I'm hiding behind. Suddenly, here he, Cole, Cole, I call him over. He looked at me, I can see him there, six foot three, big, big handsome boy he was. He went, what do you want? I said, I want to talk to you, Cole. He said, what about? I said, my name's Harry Redknapp, I'm manager of Bournemouth. He come walking over. He had to walk, he had to walk on, he had to, he had a walk on him, you know, bowling over. I said, Cole, I'm manager of Bournemouth. Uh, I'd like to, would you be interested in coming to Bournemouth? He said, what league are you playing? I said, we're in the, uh, Division Three. 
He went, yeah, but what league? Ishmin? I went, no. Football league? Because I've never heard of them, Bournemouth. I went, yeah, yeah, we're in the league. He said, what, you're full-time professional? I said, yeah. He said, that's what I want to be. I said, well, we, we, we want you to be one. He went, right. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I'm interested. I said, okay, great. Anyway, I'll ring his man- manager, Eddie McCluskey. So I'm, Eddie, would you sell him? Blah, blah. Yeah, Harry, I would want 10 grand for him. Okay, great. I come down and go to meet Eddie. Cole's, when I go to meet Eddie, Cole's sitting there with another boy who plays for Enfield. So we're sitting there, they're mates, they're chatting away, and I'm going to see Eddie. He wants to see Cole first or whatever. Cole goes in to talk to Eddie McCluskey, the manager. I'm at Enfield now. I'm talking to his mate. His mate said to me, you're signing the wrong player, Harry. I went, why? What do you mean? He said, I'm 10 times better than him. I went, here? He said, yeah. He said, I'm better than he is. He said, I'll play with him up front for Enfield. He said, I've, I've got 28 goals or whatever. He's only got 15. He said, I'm miles better than him. Take me. I went, well, I'll have a look at you. But anyway, I'll go in. I sign Cole. He comes in. We play five pre-season games. We get beat everywhere. We go to Weymouth, get beat. Go to Yo or Bath, get beat. Cole is so bad. I've never seen anyone so useless in my life, right? I call him in. I said, you're going to wake up or what? He said, wait, wait till the real game start, Harry. I said, the real games? You've never played in a real game. What would you know? <laughs> anyway, he comes to me, says this to me, uh, my mate wants a trial. I said, oh, does he? I said, what position does he play, Cole? He said, he's a striker, same as me. I said, is he as good as you, Cole? He said, no, nah, he's not as good as me. I said, in that case, tell him not to bother. <laughs> he went, oh, anyway, off he goes. We, last pre-season game, we got to Crystal Palace. He said, my mate's playing for them today, the one you wouldn't give a trial to. Oh, is he? I said, well, we won't have to worry about him then, Cole, will we? Anyway, when I, when he, after he, he run rings around us for about eight, 90 minutes, I realised Ian Wright was better than him. <laughs> so uh, that was that was Cole, but as it turned out, Cole Cole Lewis, uh, Cole Richard, sorry, became a fantastic player for me. Uh, Mark Newsom was at Maidstone, and uh, again, tri- tri- uh, Stuart Morgan came to me and said, uh, "Harry, there's a boy at Maidstone. He's fantastic, Mark Newsom, best best player in non-league." I said, "Really?" He said, "Yeah, different class. We've got we've got to get him." Anyway. I said, all right. Anyway, a week later, Stuart said, oh, I can't believe our luck. I said, what's happened? He said, he's gone to Tottenham for a week. If Tottenham had took him. If Tottenham's in the Tottenham or Tottenham. I went, really? You're kidding? He said, yeah, he's gone there. They took him for a week. Anyway, on the Tuesday, they had a reserve game, Tottenham. Stuart said, I'm going to the game at their training ground. He rang me after the game. He said, he was the best player on the pitch. Oh, he said, Tottenham are taking for sure. Oh, no. Anyway, what can we do? Nothing. I'll get a phone call that night from somebody at Maidstone where he played, a secretary, who said to me, Harry, I know you've been after Mark Newson, haven't you? I said, yeah, it looks like he's going to Tottenham, doesn't it? He said, well, he's not on a contract. He's a he's not, he hasn't got a contract. He's a non-contract player. He said, he's, he's not registered. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he don't belong to any, he don't belong to us. He belongs to us, but he's not, he said, and this, between this time of year and this time of year, he's a free agent. I said, you you sure? He said, well, I'm a secretary, of course, I'm sure. Anyway, with that, I ring Mark, he said, here's his number, if you want to ring him, get him down. So I ring him up, Mark Newson, Tuesday night. I said, Mark, he said, well, I played today with Spurs Reserves, I, mean, I, I think I've done well. He said, I think they might be interested in signing me. 
I said, come down and meet me. He said, well, <gasps> oops, sorry. He said, well, oh, my dogs are barking at someone. He said, well, I've got a day off tomorrow. I said, well, jump on a train. I'll pick you up at the station. Come down. Now, please, just have a chat with me. You've got nothing to lose. You're not trained at Tottenham tomorrow. You go back to Tottenham Thursday and train if you want. Sorry, lads. So he said, uh, all right, okay, I'll come down. So he comes down. I'll meet him, pick him up. We take him to La Lupa's restaurant, me and Brian Tyler. Sit down, have a bit of pasta with him, make him an offer. I said, come here, I want to make, I'll make you captain. He went, whoa, you know, let me go and see what Tottenham have got. So I said, no, we can't. You, if you go back to Tottenham, I said, I've got to do it today, you know, and we want you to come. It, he, he never had a job. He was out of work, struggling, just getting a few quid off the Maidstone. He said, all right. Anyway, you're not, I said, you're not going back on the train till you sign. We, eight o'clock that night, he signs. We get it done. I rung Mr. Young at registrations in the meantime. Is there a Mark Newsom registered with Maystone? No. I said, what does that mean, Mr. Young? He said, that means he's not registered. He said he can sign for anybody. He's not, he's not got under contract. Okay, great. So we sign him. I ring, I ring Barry Fry. Barry, uh, it's Harry Redknapp. Hello, H, how you going, son? He said to me. He went, how are you? I went, yeah, lovely, Barry. I said, I've just signed Mark Newsom. Oh, you want to sign Mark? He said, nah, Harry. Got... He said, he's got a Tottenham, mate. 200 grand plus 100 grand after games, another 100 grand after more games. He said he played in their reserves. He's a different class. I went, no, I've signed him. He went, what do you mean? You're so... What are you talking about? I said, I've signed him. He said, how can you sign him? You ain't... We haven't agreed to fee. How can you sign him? He's got a Tottenham. I said, no, he's, he's now a Bournemouth player. I said, we sent the contract in his... Mr. Young with registrations is, is a Bournemouth player. You what, Redknapp? He said to me, I tell you what. He said, you've had it. I'm going to send two blokes down there, shoot your bleach and kneecaps off. He called me everything. And I went, Barry, should have had him on a contract, mate. Unlucky. He put the phone down. <laughs> two, two minutes, ten minutes later, the chairman rings me. Jim Thompson, I think his name was. He was the chairman of the league as well. Harry, he said, I must apologise. I do apologise for the way Barry spoke to you. We don't talk like that. We don't do things like that, Maidstone, he said. I said, no, no problem, Mr. Thompson. I said, I understand this, you know. He said, look, we've, we've made a mistake. We've made a mistake, okay, and you found out, he said, and we've been caught out. Uh, but let's be gentlemen. Let's come to an agreement on the fee. We've been offered £200,000 from Tottenham, plus add-ons. Where do you stand? I said, we don't stand anywhere, Mr. Thompson. We've signed him. He belongs to Bournemouth. He's not, there is no fee. He's not on contract. He went, you suck. He called me everything, right? I went, sorry, Mr. Thompson, you should have... I put the phone down. Next day, I'm in the office with Brian Tyler. Secretary, Harry, there's a big bloke here. There's three people, the chairman, the manager, and some big bloke uh, from, from Maidstone. Oh, no. Me and Brian crept out across the pitch. We said, get our cars, bring our cars around the other side. We left our keys with... Don't tell them... Tell him we're not here. I left the keys. Went round, walked across the pitch, out the other, opened the far gate, the groundsman. The cars got round. We shot off and drove off. <laughs> he played this for what? I made him captain. We won the league that year, uh, and I sold him for two hundred or whatever thousand pound to Fulham. Yeah. I think he went do from. Oh, I love my time at Bournemouth. So it was an incredible part of my life, and you know, training in the park, getting thrown off by the park keeper. Tommy Effenden, who was part of that promotion team, Tommy was a great player. Tommy letting the park keepers tires down, and I'm saying, Tommy, this ain't helping the cause, mate. You know what I mean? And the park keeper, you know, booting the spokes of his bike or saying Tommy wouldn't. Uh, next day, he'd throw us off again, and 
to think that, you know, and I thought winning the league is no one's ever going to beat that. And then Eddie came along and just completely blew us out of the water, didn't he? What, they, what they've achieved since then. It's been amazing. Okay, Harry, we know, sorry, Harry, we know you've got to go at nine. Um, would you come no, back on. on to do it? To, or can you can you put get Sandra to put the dinner in the oven for a bit? How long we got, Sam? Sam? Sandro? How long we got? I love this. Absolutely. Suppose I go to have me dinner and go back on with the boys. Yeah, I can have me dinner, I'll come back in 15 minutes with you. Is that all right, lads? No problem at yeah. all. We can keep talking. No worries at all. Yeah? Yeah, Lovely you stuff. do that. Yeah, that. Right. I... in a minute. Okay. Lovely. Cheers, Harry. So, so the big question is, Neil, how many questions had you written down that you haven't <laughs> had a chance to answer tonight? <laughs> this piece of paper is gone. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think I've seen I've seen Harry do after dinner speaking, and I think the um, I think basically you need two questions, don't you? One to start, one to start him off, and one halfway through to get him to change tack. Yeah. But the uh, <laughs> but the uh, is I mean his book's brilliant as well. If you read his uh, his autobiography, it's uh, I think he's got a couple of books that he's he's that are out. That he's just uh, I mean the game is an entertainment industry; it needs stories, and uh, Harry Redknapp is just a master storyteller, and he's always been involved in things that create stories so it's great just great to have him on the show isn't it mm. so I, I don't know how long it's been neil did you want to perhaps give them you know i know we don't want to be pressuring them to i just te i just texted him to say hope you can come back and join us so i haven't had a reply yet yeah okay well we'll leave it for what we'll well, we'll do 90 minutes and hopefully He'll be coming back soon. Uh, this is a bit, it reminds me of like VAR, Neil, and I know you absolutely detest VAR, but like we're all, like we're all here waiting. There's like 100, 153 people here just thinking, what's going to happen? Is he going to come back or what? It reminds me of, uh, do you remember when you were a kid and the ITV news used to go down and they used to have to, they used to, have to talk through and uh, this was in the days before rolling news when people became very adept at talking through. And uh, so you, you would have these strange sort of like banal conversations going on. They were waiting for the VT footage to come back. I think it was about 2002, yeah. 2003, but it might be earlier. But it doesn't affect my enjoyment of the game. I just watch, I just watch the game as per normal and that's fine. And we've got Harry, Harry back. How was your dinner, Harry? Very good. Yes. We had a bit of fish. We've got a fish guy who comes down from Cornwall somewhere and he's, uh, delivers, you know, he's struggling, I think. And he comes down and delivers fish fish around this area. It's been, it's been really good, yeah. The big question, Harry, did you have jam roly-poly for pudding? No, I haven't had one for years. I don't even know where I've dug that one up from, really. <laughs> Well, no, it was, I mean, as I said, I went there when they were, they, I got the job because they were, they were obviously, they had a terrible start to the season. One day, Ramos uh, was the manager. And so I took over a good team. Listen, you know, people say, oh, you kept us up and that. But listen, my wife could have kept them up. I mean, it was like, you know, I took over a team really that for whatever reason was stuck at the bottom of the league. Only had two points after eight matches. It was Modric and Bow and all these fantastic players there. So, it wasn't very difficult to keep them up, that's for sure. And um, I think we finished seventh in the end that year um, mm. after that bad start. And then obviously the following year, we, um, we, we, we finished fourth. We won at Man City, last, game, last one game of the season to, uh, to qualify for the, uh, for the Champions League. And, um, and then the, the following year, the year I lost, 
you know, I lost my job. We we finished fourth again, but Chelsea, as you say, won the uh, won the Champions League that year. I, the worst thing I ever done. I went to that game. Uh, Jamie persuaded me to go with him and Graham Souness uh, with a local guy who had his own plane from Bournemouth, who's a big football fan. We went he, so. We flew over them to, they were working for Sky, Jamie and Graham. And I was in the Sky box watching the game. And uh, when Chelsea won, we, they, after the game, we had to walk round, they kept the Chelsea fans in. So we had to walk past the Chelsea fans, thousands of them. They, in unison, they sung to me um, Thursday night, Channel 5. Well, Benty, I mean, no, we played Portsmouth at home like, uh, when I first went to Tottenham. And uh, in the last minute of the game, Darren Bent, the ball came over. Bent, he had an open goal. He only had to head it in the goal. The goalkeeper was out of position. It, it was impossible to miss it, really. And he missed it, you know, and I got interviewed after the game. And like I do, they said, Harry, you know, you should have won the game the last minute. Darren Bent had a great chance. And I said, yeah, my missus would have scored that. You know, I mean... But I'm only saying what three million other blokes sitting there on a Monday night watching the match on telly gone, bleed nil, darling, you'd have scored that. I mean, it was, you know, but Bentley got the ump over it. And uh, But the funny thing was I, uh, I ended up going to uh, to Derby for a little spell. And I walked my Mel Morris, who, who owns Derby, he's got a house about 200 yards from me. And he said, Harry, would you come for the last two months of the season? I'll just give the job to a young manager, Darren Wassell, as a, t as a caretaker. Would you come in and just be around him, cut the days a week? And just, I said, yeah, sure, OK, great. So I drive up to Derby. I'm walking out on the pitch, watch training first down there. I've got a big coat and it's cold. I'm with Kevin Phillips. And I'm walking. I said, how you been going, Kev? What's been the problem? You've been struggling a bit. He said, yeah. He said, we can't score goals, you know. He said... Uh, Darren Bent's not scoring. I said, Darren Bent? I forgot he was there because he hated me. He went, he went to the chairman and his agent rung up the chairman and slagged me off. And I let him go about a month later. You know, we fell out big time. And he said, yeah, Darren Bent's not scoring. I went, oh, my God, no. Not Darren Bent's. I forgot he was there. I walked out on the training pitch. I swear, I'm not stood there a minute. And the ball came over. Bent, he was 25 yards out at an angle, and he's hit his volley. I've never seen a shot like it. It went right in the top corner like a rocket. I shouted out, oh, hey, Benny! I said, my old woman couldn't have scored that one. Well, superb. Well, we're nearing the end. We've had a, a couple of questions that we just uh, like you to uh, answer, if possible. One of them um, from a certain Mr. Mark Pugh, Harry, who's asked whether you've dabbled in any cooking during lockdown at all. Who's it from? From Mark Pugh. Mark Pugh? Yeah. <laughs> Mark Pugh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. What, so, what, yeah, go on. Pugh, from Bournemouth? Yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah. What a good player. What a good player. What yeah. a good player he is. Yeah. I loved watching him play. I used to... He was... His real quality. He checked, make out across it, checked back. I thought he was again been around, you know, suddenly playing in the Premier League and giving mm. Premier League defences all kinds of problems. Mm. Fantastic player. So, Harry, um, 
not meaning to like keep on at you, but um, he did ask a question that you've well avoided there about whether you've dabbled in any cooking during the lockdown. No, I've got no. I've got to be honest. I couldn't cook an egg. I, I, I did a bit of toast the other day. But, yeah. um It got stuck in the toaster, and the toaster nearly caught on fire. I, I, I cut it too thick, and I, it wouldn't pop up, and it started to burn. So smoke. So Sandra's not. Well, I did it on purpose, really. She won't let me back in the kitchen now. <laughs> Good stuff, well, Harry. I've got to say, thank you so much for your time tonight. It's been a blast. It's been amazing. And uh, yeah, thank, thank you so yeah. much, uh, Jeff. Do you want to say any words? Well, Harry, I, I think you, it's fantastic stories. Loved having you on. Uh, we'd love to get you back again at some point in the future when you're perhaps a bit less busy. So uh, you know, let's uh, let's keep that dialogue going, and we'll we'll get you back at some point in the future if you're up for that. I'm trying to win the lottery, and I can buy the club off of Max. That's the that's the move. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Neil Dawson as well. Thank you so much. No, thank you. I think it's just been fantastic listening to Harry. I mean. I was thinking earlier on, we've had three great eras since the 50s and Harry's been a player in one of them. He's managed the other one and he's been a fan in the last one. And he's just a major oh, a part of our fan, club. Yeah. Yeah. Love watching him. It's great, great to have him on. Yeah. Well done, Thank you. What a guy. Harry Redknapp. Oh, absolutely love him to pieces. So if you're a podcast subscriber... Um, you lucky thing from the start of june every day there's going to be the complete podcast we'll label them so you know so if you've watched them already on youtube you can of course skip them but if you want a synopsis we'll bring another one of these out very soon as well we've got some good names coming up including jan kermigan steve fletcher and some that well, we're not allowed to mention yet. So do like and subscribe. And also, if you're tuned in on a podcast app, it would really help our cause. You'd, you, I mean, you can buy us a coffee if you want by going to afcbpodcast.com slash coffee. It's not an actual coffee. It's, it's just the price of a coffee. You can buy us up to five and um, it'll go to help us in terms of our hosting costs. Uh, StreamYard we pay every month for. And also I've got through so many microphone covers. It's absolutely ridiculous. My equipment is falling apart at the seams. But if you don't want to donate, of course, don't worry. It's still going to be free. But what you can do for free is leave a review on your podcast app. Um, that really does help us. And I know I bang on about this, but um, we would so appreciate it if you could just leave us a review. And if you can leave some kind words as well, brilliant. We would honestly appreciate it. This is Matt Holland and you're listening to Back of the Net. So that wraps up episode 85 of Back of the Net, the AC Bournemouth podcast. I'm sure that today lots more is going to come out about what on earth is going to happen with regards to Project Restart. Apparently, it's going to be played at each individual stadium, but the big matches which might attract a crowd, they might be played neutrally. But other than that, yeah, um, a bit of excitement. Anyway, we'll see you next time. And thanks very much for listening to Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Richie. Maybe on Walker. Pew. Pew! That'll do it! That will do it! Pew for Bournemouth! 
Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.